Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. What is up, my friend? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Hope you're doing well. We are on episode 102. Yes, that is right, 102. And uh, that is, uh, if you have that temperature as a human being, that is not good. You should go talk to a doctor, I think. I'm pretty sure. But in other news, we've got a, uh, got a great guest for you today. We've got a good friend of mine who's hanging out and uh, sharing some of his wisdom and things that he's learned along the way. But before we get into that, let me quickly remind you, if you haven't already, definitely stop by freespeakerworkshop.com. Every single, just about every single week, we do a free training teaching you all about how to find and book speaking engagements, all right? Preferably paid speaking engagements. And so, in fact, on that workshop, we talk about different ways that you can get paid beyond just a speaking fee and how you can use speaking in your business. So, if you haven't already, definitely register for that. Again, you can go over to freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com and check that out. All right, so today we are talking with my buddy Kyle Sheely. Kyle's been a, uh, a full-time speaker for about the past five, six years or so. A really great speaker, great dude, one of the more creative people that I've ever known. And Kyle is someone actually I, I kind of helped get started from the beginning. Now, I, I don't want to take anything at all away from Kyle. He's a phenomenal speaker. He is a hustler. He has gone out and built his business. Um, and so we talk a little bit in the beginning about how he got started, how we first got connected. But we also talk about how he kind of overcomes this motivational speaker stigma, you know, this idea that you live in a van down by by the river. So we talk about how he's kind of overcome that. We talk about how he's built relationships with other speakers, both at, at his current level and then those that, that may be a few steps ahead of him, which is really important. You know, one of the, the best things you can do to pick up new business and to just grow in the business and in the industry is to connect with other speakers. So we talk about how he's done that. We also talk about how he's dealt with insecurities and doubts of being a speaker, and then also how he made the transition from speaking part-time into speaking full-time. So I know there's a lot in here that I think you're going to get a lot from. And uh, so let's get right into it. Here's my uh, my conversation, my chit chat chatteroo with my buddy Kyle Sheely. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Hey, today I'm joined by my buddy Kyle Sheely, who is a uh, a speaker and entrepreneur, just one of the uh, the smartest and most creative guys I've ever met. I'm really excited to be hanging out with Kyle. I've known him for several years. I uh, kind of helped him to get started several years ago in in the speaking business, and he's really done phenomenal. So excited to uh, to hang out with him today. So, Kyle, what is up, buddy? How are you today? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm glad to be here. Honored to hang out with you, man. Always good to chat and catch up on life. So first of all, why don't you give us kind of a, a high-level view of what your, your speaking business is like today, uh, of what you speak about, who you speak to, how often you're speaking, what that kind of looks like, and then we'll, uh, we'll kind of backtrack from there. Yeah, so uh, these days I speak uh, primarily to high school students, although really I'll go anywhere they want me to. And I, I always tell people, like, I'm a motivational speaker with an asterisk because, like, whatever you think of when you think of a motivational speaker is probably not what I talk about. Because I'm not the guy who goes in and you know tells kids 
don't do drugs and don't drink and drive and don't text and drive. Those are all good pieces of advice. But when I was in high school, I was always bummed out by guys who would say that because I was already not doing any of those things. And so the advice wasn't helpful to me. And so instead of focusing on what not to do, I try to talk to students about what to do and try to get them thinking about where their life is going and are they taking the steps that are necessary to get there today. And then from that framework, I'm able to address a lot of different issues depending on what a school is going through. So it could be leadership, it could be bullying, it could be suicide or drug abuse or mental health issues or just inclusion and awareness and stuff like that. So it's a good jumping off point. And a lot of the framework that I use is kind of this idea of your life as a story. And so I talk to students about what story is your life going to tell and where are you going to go with that? And so I do about 50 events a year. That's uh, that's the sweet spot for me. I know guys who do half that. And I know guys who do three times that. And uh, for my schedule, I've got a wife and three kids and I like to be home and like to be doing stuff in the community as well. And so that's kind of the sweet spot for me. So, you know, on average, that would be being gone once a week with two weeks of vacation, but that's never how it works out. As you know, usually I'll be home for a month and a half and then I won't see my family for you know, six weeks or something. So that's, that's kind of the broad overview. And uh, I've been doing this for, this is the end of year six now. So um, it nice. feels weird to say that because I've never held a job that long in my life. You're a legend this. at this point. Really. So I'm curious, yeah, really. I'm curious, like it, as the, and you kind of mentioned that, that motivational speaker type, I don't know, just the, the idea that a lot of people have of when that when we tell people, hey, well, I'm a speaker, they're like, oh, you know, Van in the River, Matt Foley type of Chris Farley character. Yeah. So how have you kind of tried to say, yes, that is what I do, but it's different. Like you were kind of saying, like with the asterisk type thing, how do you, not only whenever you're trying to figure out what it is that you do, but also just in terms of explaining it to clients, because some of them are looking for more of a motivational speaker pep talk. And some of them are like, I, I don't want another one of those rah-rah type of speakers. So how have you kind of positioned that in your own mind and then also with clients? A lot of the, there's just a branding and language on my website, um, which is, you know, typically like the first way that somebody finds out about me. If it's not word of mouth, I get a lot of my stuff from word of mouth now, but, but for a random stranger, you know, with word of mouth, you don't have to deal with that because the person has probably already prefaced that, oh, this guy was great. He wasn't like these other people, et cetera. But when it's just a blind introduction on a website, a lot of my language is like that. And so it says things like, Kyle isn't like it. And, you know, the other speakers that you've seen before. And instead of telling them what not to do, he tells them what to do. And so I've, I've really tried to like hone that language to let them know, like, this is what you're going to get. And also, of course, nobody reads anything on your website. So my video is, is a lot like that, too. With There's a lot of humor. There's a lot of, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's not just me yelling at people because I never found that to be effective it's really more me kind of pleading with people like, Hey, what are you going to do with this one life that you have? So I just, in everything that I do, I try to communicate that, that if, if that's what you're looking for, I can point you to some guys who might be able to do that, but that's, that's not really my, my gig. How has that message for you kind of evolved over time in terms of even when you first got started going like, okay, I know I want to speak to this type of audience, but I have no idea what that angle should be, or should I make myself, you know, similar to these other speakers that are in that market, or should I be something totally different? How has that kind of evolved over time for you? Yeah, I think when I first got started, it's funny because people always ask me like, how did I get into this business? And the answer is like, I never knew this was a job that you could have. And so like, I got started after a bunch of other stuff. And so when, when I got started, like I had never seen like a good leadership keynote before at all. And, it, you know, maybe once or twice I saw a speaker in high school who was decent, but I had never really seen that. So I didn't know what they were looking for. And so I think what I tried to do is like I tried to be myself, but also be a little bit of what I thought they might want. And as I've gone over time, I've realized, oh, I can be mostly myself because that's going to be more authentic and that's going to be what they, they want more. And so I think 
the message has evolved just in in a lot of uh, minor, subtle ways. I mean, I have uh, the stories that I tell in my talk are just super dialed in at this point, and uh, because I've told them, you know, hundreds of times. But then even the talks themselves, like I feel more comfortable going off script if I need to, or or kind of improving a little bit because I'm I used to kind of think here's the talk. And, and I'm going to, you know, kind of go through the talk. And now I kind of go, here's the idea I'm trying to get across. And, and if it seems like this particular aspect is ending better with an audience or, or something in the room or something, you know, happens or whatever, I feel a lot more comfortable adjusting those things and, and kind of working that stuff in. And then just in the overall structure of the talk, I remember you and I used to have lunch before you abandoned us and moved to Nashville. Not that you're bitter when, at all. We would have lunch and, and no, I'm not bitter at all. You have better internet there and, and better <laughs> most things. But, but, well, I remember we used to have lunch and, and we'd be talking and I would tell some stupid story from my life that wasn't at all related to the talk. And you'd go, you have to put that into the talk. And I always for so long felt like, oh, I don't know if I can. Like, I don't know if that's what, what clients really want, you know, is for just me to tell funny stories from my life. But the longer I've gone on, I've realized like, oh, the clients who really, really love me, they love that stuff because they want like Kyle Sheely, you know? And so if you try to be half Kyle Sheely and half like, Matt Foley, motivational speaker, Chris Farley or whatever, like that's going to please nobody. And so I think I've become more comfortable with who I am and more comfortable with the fact that I'm not going to be the right fit for every single client. And that's okay because the ones I am a good fit for, I'm like a great fit for. Yeah, makes total sense there. So let's uh, let's dig into to kind of how you got started. So at what point did you realize like, and I think a lot of us were like that. We're like, I just didn't see this on the menu. Like I didn't even know that this was an option to be a speaker. I just thought that this was something that you know a handful of people did on the side, and and it's just kind of this cute little career, but it's not even like a real career type of thing. So at what point did you start to? See, realize, I didn't even think that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think that. I thought all of the people who come and speak at high schools are volunteers very rare exceptions because at my high school we had like one or two paid speakers come in sometimes or we'd have like the power team but i you know i'm not a power lifter i wasn't that wasn't a career option for me and so but a lot of times we'd have like the sheriff would come and talk about drinking and driving or some you know local emt person would come in and so i just thought like well that's just kind of a public service thing that people do but you're not going to make any money at it which is kind of explains why a lot of my experiences with speakers in high school weren't great because they were, you know, people who weren't, that wasn't their job and they weren't good at it. They were doing it one time a year. And so how I kind of came across it was when I think it was, I've tried to, tried to like remember this in my head a million times and it's very blurry, but I think what had happened was I had moved back. I'd been a youth pastor in California for a little while. And then my wife, and she got pregnant and then we moved back uh, because our family's all here. And so I was like just working a regular job and kind of trying to get stuff going. And I imagine that there was probably a targeted ad for former youth pastors or youth pastors. And I think it was like a Josh Ship thing for, for Youth Speaker University. Yeah. And so and it was and so I remember watching a video and just and you know, he kind of outlined here's here's what this market is. It exists, it's a full time thing you can do. And that was like, whoa, I remember thinking like I could absolutely do that. Like I would be very good at that. And so I kind of like started, you know, looking into that, but at, it was very expensive for me. I was making like no money and I had a wife and a kid and all this kind of stuff. And so I was like, I definitely can't afford that. And so I kind of started talking to some people and I think two or three different people mentioned you and they were like, you should, you should talk to Graham Baldwin because for people who don't know, you and I used to live in the same town and like had almost crossed paths probably a million times. We knew a lot of the same people and like you had 
had moved from a church to a different church to go be a youth pastor right at the time I was coming into the first church and all this kind of stuff. And so we just knew a lot of the same people and, and they knew that you were doing it. And so after two or three people said, hey, you should, you should talk to Grant. I was like, all right. So I emailed you and said, hey, I'd like to you know, grab lunch with you or whatever. And then you kind of even further explained, yeah, this is, it is a real thing. This is, you know, this isn't something you made up on or found on the internet. And here's how it works. And then I think you were kind of feeling out, are you serious about it? And because I was, I said, hey, I'd love for you to mentor me and take me under your wing, which is funny because to this day, I, I get stuff like that now. And I'm like, oh, like, I don't know why Grant said yes, because that's a huge commitment. But I think you were feeling out, is Kyle serious about this? And so you kind of did some background checking on me and, and vice versa. And then we eventually said, yeah, I think this would be a good fit. And then from there, just kind of hit the ground running. I looked up here while you were talking. January seventh, two thousand eleven, is when you sent me that very first email, and we went to lunch and started the started the conversation. And it was a it's a great email. I need to I need to forward it to you. But this would be I'm curious though for people who may be in a similar spot of going like, okay, I just found out that this is a real thing. Like I just I just discovered this on this hidden career menu, and I want to do this. But the going from this would be cool, and I would like to do this to actually making it happen. Is a, like as you know, is just like that is a massive chasm that a lot of people have such a difficult time crossing. So, what were yeah. some of those like early steps for you to get going and to get traction? And then not only like 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 practical applicable things that you did, but also just the mentality of not giving up because this is like as you know, this is such a long term game, and nobody's like, yeah. okay, on on Friday I decide that I want to become a speaker, and on Monday I can do it full time. Like it's just it takes years and years to make happen. So. Like, what were some of those, like those, that first year or those first several months like for you and getting going and not giving up? I think that they were, it was a combination of both those things that you said, practical advice and, and mindset stuff, which I think most things in life are like that. Like there was a lot of, okay, I need to do these things. I need to set up a website. I need to get marketing materials. I need to like start honing my talk and, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then there was a lot of stuff that was all the internal stuff. And it's funny because I am, I, I kind of like float between like I'm a speaker full time, but then I have all these creative projects. So I like a lot of my friends are artists and sculptors and creators and stuff. And so that is something that they fight with all the time as well. It's like, there's the like getting good at painting. And then there's the part where you like have to accept that you can do this, you know, and that you deserve to do this as a human or whatever. And so I think a lot of that was for me, just spending, diving into the community. And so, I, I mean, I sent so many of the annoying emails that I get nowadays, <laughs> teach me your ways to, to different speakers and found that it, the, the vast majority of them were incredibly helpful and super cool doing that. And then just really like thinking through like, can I do this? And, you know, do, is this something that, that I like realistically, I think I'd be good at. And I think for me, validation from outside people. Like I just, whenever I would mention it to people, a lot of people that knew me well would go, Oh yeah, that, that definitely seems like a thing. That seems like a perfect thing for you. Like, to, you know, I'm a guy who just won't shut up and I tell the same stories all the time. So like, they're like, yeah, you getting paid to go talk for an hour. sounds like a, you know, fantastic thing. And so I think that outside validation combined with me just really believing that, yeah, this could happen was a part of it. So, I mean, for me, I, there's a lot of things over the course of my life that have been intimidating to me. And one of the ways that I always get past that is just, this is so bad. I think of the dumbest person that I know that does that thing. And I go, oh, that guy can do it. You know, <laughs> I can definitely do it. And so like, like, I've always wanted to learn how to weld and welding is very like, you know, you could blind yourself or, or burn your arm off or something. And I've, I've always been like, oh, I don't know if I, if I have the chance for that. And then I realized like, dude, all of the most redneck people that I went to high school with 
can weld like no tomorrow. And I'm like, I'm sure that I could figure it out. And so that was kind of what I went into speaking with is like, there are like, if the, if the default in the industry is like people think motivational speaker and they think cheesy, you know, ineffective, but yet that those guys are still paying their bills. I go, well, if I can at least do that, like I can, you know, I can at least be, be cheesy and ineffective. So I obviously believe I could be much better than that. And so I think that's what kept me going when, you know, it got harder, when there were months between booking anything or even hearing from potential clients, you know, I had to go, no, this is, this is a long-term business. And I think that the practical things were, you know, working with you and, and staying accountable and, and then, and just hearing that from you, just going like, this is a long-term business. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure there were times when you had to talk me off the ledge of like, Hey, just, you know, you spent eight weeks trying to book this gig and they went with somebody else. It's okay. Just breathe. You know? So I think that, community is a big thing and understanding from other speakers what are the expectations and what is this what is this actually like because you have no idea how i want to touch on that a little bit more how like when you started connecting with some other speakers at uh, at various events or conferences or emails or or whatever format you use there how was that helpful how was that instrumental to you in just better understanding the, the business and building your own business i think in a couple ways, again, it was the practical and the, and the mindset thing. I think the practical ways would, would be, I would see speakers and they would go, Oh, you should like, just right away. They'd go, you should do this. You should do this. Or you shouldn't do that. And the speakers, like there's some speakers that, that I've taken their opinions and gone, okay, that's cool. That's your opinion. That's not where I'm trying to go with this. But when you find there's certain speakers that you find or certain just people that you find that right away, you click with that person and you go, I'm going to be friends with this guy in 10 years. And so those people, I would just latch onto them and go like, teach me anything that you can. And that didn't even have to be somebody who's farther along than me. It can be somebody who just, I feel like has a good insight or, you know, and is is in the the same spot career-wise, but in a different way. And so, you know, talking to other speakers at events and just going like, hey, what's your feelings on this? Or what are your thoughts on this? And am I the only one who deals with this stuff? And, And, you know, the mindset stuff and then practical things of just, hey, you should be doing this, or hey, how did you book that event? Or who is the contact person for this organization? And you start realizing, oh, this organization works a certain way. And this organization works a completely different way. And at, you know, at, this, at this place, you can email this person all day long. It doesn't matter because the students make the decision or whatever. And you start learning the ins and outs. And, and I found if you're respectful of other people and you're kind and you're not like you know, badgering them or whatever, the vast majority of speakers are really good people who want to help because everyone remembers being where you are and being like, I want to do this and I have absolutely no idea how to do it. And somebody helps that person. And so, you know, most of that's why on a regular basis, I'd say once a month, maybe twice a month, I will spend 40 minutes or an hour on the phone with some person that I don't know or barely know, just explaining, you know, some speaking stuff and just kind of, seeing if they'd be a good fit and all that kind of stuff, just because I go, you know, I, I think that I, I want to pay that forward for the people who did that with me. Right, right. Early on, or even today, how do you continue to build relationships with other speakers? You, you kind of talked about how important that has been for you and kind of understanding the business and then just the community aspect of 
you know, am I the only one that feels like this or am I the only one that's dealing with this? So you, you mentioned like almost two different groups of speakers of the speakers that may be, you know, a couple years ahead of you in the business. And then there's also speakers that seems like you've done a great job of building relationships with speakers that are kind of, you're almost coming up with, so to speak. Yeah. So how have you built relationships with both groups? Because when you're getting started, it's like the people that I'm looking up to that are a couple years ahead of me, I don't really necessarily feel like I have anything to offer them. And at the same time, balancing, like I'm looking at people that are like slightly ahead of me, but not light years ahead of me, not going like, okay, I want to be a speaker. So let's see, let's see what Tony Robbins is up to these days. Let's just call Tony and see, let's see if, he, <laughs> if I can pick his brain, you know, like that just doesn't work. So how are you finding those people that were a couple steps ahead of you and building relationships with them? And how are you identifying people that you were kind of coming up with? I would say in some ways those are different, but in some ways they are actually very similar. Like I don't approach them a lot differently. And I think that that actually helps. I think that one of the things that, that helped me, again, I, you know, I was trying to think, what's the, who's the dumbest person that does or whatever? And what I was trying to do with that tactic was just humanize the industry and just go like, these are not super people. These are not superheroes that are doing this. Like they are, you know, one of the, there's a Steve Jobs quote of like, once he said one of the formative moments of his life was when he realized that all the stuff around him was made by people just like him who just chose that, hey, it's going to be this way. And he decided, well, I can choose that it can be a different way. And so I think humanizing like industry super leaders or whatever is really helpful because most people don't do that. And so sometimes it's really refreshing for them to just be treated like a person. And so, you know, if I on occasion had the opportunity to have lunch with somebody who was had been speaking for 10 years longer than me or, you know, or, or, or it's just, or their fees were way higher than me or they spoke in a way better market or whatever. I mean, any number of different ways that they were advanced from me. And I just acted like I was having lunch with a friend. I wasn't fanboying out over them and I wasn't, you know, doing all of those things. And I think that that kind of let me hang at that level. And so in terms of connecting with, with people, you know, I, you mentioned, well, what do you do when there's nothing you can do for them? I think that, I think fundamentally that that mindset is wrong because a lot of times you'd be surprised at how much you actually can do for those people. Because even, you know, I'm, I'm at six years in and there are a lot of guys coming up who go, man, I want to have Kyle's career. And I go, I still feel like a lot of times I'm figuring stuff out as, you know, I'm just making the stuff as I go along. Yeah. And so I remember there was a speaker that I met early on who liked some video stuff that I had done. And so we started talking and, and then he actually pitched me and said, Hey, what if we kind of have this relationship where you help me edit some videos and I'll kind of help give you some advice and some gigs every now and then. And that ended up being like an incredibly valuable relationship. And we are still really good friends to this day. And we still have a relationship where we refer stuff and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and so that was really helpful to me. I didn't see him as like, oh, he's unapproachable. There's no possible way I could help him. And so that, that kind of opened up doors. And then in terms of people who are maybe at my same level, Speaking is a really lonely business, you know, and, and you know this, like you can connect with people online and everything, but the vast majority of the time, like either you're working at your home or it's just you and your family and, or you're on the road. And most of the time when you're on the road, you're staying in a hotel room and then you go speak for one hour, you know, I'll be gone for two days this week. I'm going to leave on Thursday and I'm going to come back Friday. And of that time, I will be on stage for one hour. It's just that the, the flights worked out that I had to fly in the day before and I couldn't get out until late that night. And, and so it's a lonely gig. So whenever there are events where another speaker is going to be there, man, I've always just tried to latch onto that and go like, Hey, let's grab lunch or Hey, let's hang out and, and meet those people and really interact with them. And because, uh, you know, because they also are experiencing the same kind of lonely road life, I think that there's a camaraderie there 
and you just kind of instantly you have the same reference points and you you kind of build those relationships and you you get a feel for for where things are at and what their struggles are and and you know all that kind of stuff and then you just kind of keep that up you know i've i usually try to get those people's phone numbers and emails and stuff and i'll just keep in touch with them as i'm on the road or i'll see when we're crossing paths and if you just make those little efforts to go out of your way to connect with other people um it really pays off people remember that stuff you know people remember if you drove two hours away from your house because they were going to be there for a speech like you didn't have to do that you just wanted to see them and encourage them like they will remember that probably for the rest of their life but at least for the next five or ten years with other man he went out of his way to do that and you know then they're going to realize hey they're not just in this for for the money or the you know business advice or anything like that they're a genuinely good person and they want to you know help you out one thing that you mentioned was, you know, as you've met several of these speakers over the years of speakers that you are, you know, on the on the same level with or years ahead of you or wherever, that you start to to meet them as humans and you realize, wow, they are they are still trying to figure it out just like me. And like that's always been yeah. fascinating to me is the speakers and speakers, entrepreneurs, like fill in the blank, people that you just look up to and admire and like they've got it together. Like they just know what they're doing. Yeah. And you hang out with them in person, you're like, you are you are just as clueless and as insecure about all this as as the rest of us. And uh, I think that's yeah. always I, like that's always super reassuring that you don't have to be some superhuman person on or off stage. Yeah. I mean it's it's one of those things where you realize you're told this your whole life that, Hey, money isn't going to buy happiness. Money isn't going to make your problems go away. Prestige is like, none of that stuff is going to stop your car from breaking down. None of that stuff. But like, you just kind of go, okay, whatever. But you believe in your mind. Yes, it will. And then you kind of start getting to that level. I remember yesterday. So yesterday I got an email from my assistant who handles all of our checks and stuff. And she was like, Hey, we just had like five giant checks come in and I'll be depositing them in the next you know day or whatever. She just kind of letting me know. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Like a huge high, you know, one of the bigger days of, of single day revenue, especially because I was basically sitting on my butt all day yesterday. And then the same day, like I went to uh, drive to this meeting and my wife's car started overheating. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. So it's that kind of stuff. It's like everyone's day is like that. Everyone has these days where it's like really good. And then the next day it's really bad. And money doesn't make you a good communicator in your marriage. Money doesn't fix your your problems with your, you know, in-laws or whoever, I have great in-laws, they listen to this, but you know, everyone has these things that, that they're not going to go away. And so once you realize that and you, you it just humanizes them and it's, it, it is encouraging, but it's also discouraging because you go, Oh, I guess I'm never going to like escape this stuff. I just have to accept that that's a part of life. One of the things I was, I was curious about is over the past six years, you know, at some, at what point in there did you make the transition from, I'm just doing this on the side and I'm also, because at the same time I'm balancing, like I have to eat and live indoors. So I need a, a full-time job to pay the bills. At what point did you make the transition to speaking full-time and what was that transition like? It was uh, bumpy and it was definitely like a leap of faith kind of thing. Um, and I think that, I think it's good that you asked that question and I think it's important to talk about this stuff because it's the same thing like in the art world. There's like this mystique around how do you actually make money doing this and like how do you do this full time and stuff. And the truth is there's going to be extenuating circumstances in everyone's life and there's going to be some like lucky breaks that you catch and there's going to be different things that happen. And so once you see that, like I think it's good to talk about that stuff. So for me, what happened was I was working at a sign shop and I was doing this on the side. And so one of the things people ask me now is they go, aren't you, don't, don't you like miss your family when you're on the road? And I go, yeah, but I miss them a lot less now because like when I'm home, I'm home, you know, when I'm home, I got my kids and I, I have an office in the backyard and, 
And so, but, but back then when I was first getting started, that was much harder because I'd work 40 hours a week, sometimes more. And then I would take my vacation days, not to vacation with my family, but to go speak and try to build a business. And so I think I was like a year and a half, two years in, something like that. And I was kind of at this point where I was like, man, I'm doing like too many things. I've got to figure out something here. And it was this serendipitous moment where this guy that I randomly knew came in from out of town and offered me a job. Like it was, I hadn't talked to this guy in 10 years. He Twitter messaged me and said, Hey, do you want to grab coffee? I'm kind of, he was starting a company and wanted to help. And, and he was like, Hey, I believe in your speaking stuff. And you know, I'd like to basically like, I'll pay you this much money. You can work from your house. You can do as much speaking as you want. Like all like handing me a perfect job. And so I walked in the next day and, and resigned from my other job, which was good because I like, I think at that point I left around the 1st of July. So basically right in the middle of the year. And I had uh, 10 days of vacation at that job. And I had taken 30 days off that year to go speak at this place. <laughs> so I think I was very quickly, my, my boss was super cool and he's a great guy. But I think at some point I was going to reach a point where he was like, you got to kind of <laughs> figure out what you're doing here. Right. So I left there and did this other company for like a year and a half, two years. And then eventually it was like, you know, I got to make a decision on this or speaking. And so I, I kind of went full in on speaking. But at each of those transition points, there was definitely a leap of faith moment where I was like, I don't have enough on the calendar right this second for this to be an absolute for sure great idea. But I really hope that I <laughs> that I can make it work. And I know that I'm running out of time with the current option. You know, it's kind of like that cliff over there might be too far to jump, but the one I'm standing on is crumbling. So I got to do something here quick. I don't know. I think I was probably like, I definitely don't want to be the guy that says, yeah, just quit your job and, and just go make it work because that actually statistically makes you more likely to fail. But I think that, that if you wait for every single duck to be in a row and if you go, okay, I, I need to make sure that I've got gigs mapped out for the next two years, like, well, then you're never, ever going to be able to leave. So there's some kind of a balance that it's going to be unique to every situation. It's going to be unique to what, if you're married, I think that absolutely has to be a conversation that your spouse is brought in on and has input on and it has veto power on. You know, if you've got kids and stuff, obviously that runway is going to have to be longer. You're going to have to look at what the circumstances that are in your life and, and what that looks like for you. And I think the other thing is that full-time speaking doesn't have to be your only job. I know people who speak, you know, a lot and they have another job on the side because it pays for their health care because they really like to do it or because they have a great arrangement with their boss or because they own the company. You know, like it's, if you ask 10 different speakers how they run their business, and this is something I learned from you, you'll get 12 different answers. Yeah. And so it, whatever works for you, there isn't a right or a wrong, you know, and in the same way, this kind of theme of humanization of, of the, the super speakers comes up like that they just made it up too. And so you can make it up a different way. Like I said, I've got speakers who do half as much as me, but make more money than I do. And then I've got, I've got buddies who do three times the events that I do and make the same or slightly more than I do. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, you build your business the way you want to build it. And if you want to make the jump to full-time, great. If you want to have a part-time or a side project gig on the, you know, whatever works for you, I think is what you should do. Yeah. I think those are some great points there that you, there's no one way that you have to be a speaker and there's no, like it has to look this way and you have to do this many dates and you have to charge this much. It can, it can look uh, dramatically different. I think for you and I, uh, you know, we both know one another's business very well to see how, you know, in the past several years, both of our businesses have evolved greatly in what they look like and how yeah. speaking fits into that. And it, it can, it will continue to evolve and change. And we, you know, we both got several friends who, 
their business, like you said, has evolved and changed. So that's one of the fun things about speaking is is you can really make it what you want it to be. So I'm I'm curious for you. You know, you're you're six years in now. You've done hundreds and hundreds of events. You've done really really well. Are there still moments where you still feel like, oh my gosh, this could come caving in at any moment? Or are you feeling pretty confident? Like, no, no, I I know that this is going to work out. I know I'll continue to get gigs. Or how do you like? How do you feel different today, mindset wise, versus you know six years ago when you started? I feel both of those things in tension with each other. So I feel, I, I mean, I've got gigs on the calendar for next year to the enough to the point where I'm like, I'm not concerned about the spring and it's, it's shaping up really well. And I mean, you kind of, you're able to look at historical trends and I go, okay, at this point in 2012, how many gigs did I have on the calendar at this point in 2013? And you go, okay, well, I, well, you know, that's what the trend line looks like. But you also know, Hey man, some crazy person could get elected president and could could cut the entire department of education out it's not likely but it could happen you know that i I think that you've got to balance both those things and you've got to be looking on the horizon and seeing like okay what are my options you know where can i go with this i remember when i got started and you had gotten started a couple years before me and so like between the two of us we were able to kind of piece together some of the history of speaking and it seemed like five or six years before that, you know, and then going back even farther, there was kind of this golden era of youth speaking where you could charge whatever you wanted. And, and there was just the money was flowing and the economy was great and everything was awesome. And then like all of that kind of tanked, And then there was an influx of new speakers. And so like the supply and demand got shifted and all this kind of stuff. And there were a lot of speakers who weren't able to survive that transition because they only were used to Hey, I know how to run a business when it's super duper easy, you know? And they were the, it was like, I know how to run a dot com business where people just send me money and I do almost nothing. And and so I, you know, I'm aware of I've got a great spot where I'm at. I worry less than I've ever worried before. And I'm not a super worry type of guy, but that's you know, there's less of that stress. But I still go, Hey, you know what? You've got to understand that that's nothing lasts forever and and that the industry could change in a heartbeat. So I'm always trying to balance those things two things and trying to look down the road and go, okay, like what, if I need to jump ship or if I need to make a quick transition, what are my options here? Beautiful. Well, hey, to wrap up here, if people want to find out more about you, check out what you're up to. I know that you've, you've got the speaking as the bread and butter, but you've also got a, a variety of creative projects uh, always up your sleeve here. Where can people go to find out more about you? If you can go to kylesheely.com. That's K-Y-L-E-S-C-H-E-E-L-E.com. I've also got a little side project called Never Grow Up, which just kind of devoted to whimsy and, and wonder and, and, you know, embracing your childlike spirit and staying young. And that's at nevergrowup.co. I couldn't afford the M on the .com, so I just went with .co. And, you know, between those things, you'll probably find the other places. Almost all the social media, I'm just Kyle Sheely, all one word, lowercase. And, yeah, and my email's on the site. You know, if there's ever any way I can help anybody, I'm happy to do it. And, yeah, I'm, I'm all over the Internet. Cool. Thanks, dude. Appreciate the time. I appreciate you sharing some of the uh, insights and wisdom that you've learned along the way. No problem, dude. It was great to catch up. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with my buddy Kyle Sheely. Good stuff, huh? Oh, it's delicious stuff. Hey, again, let me quickly remind you, if you, if you want to know how to get 
paid speaking engagements. If you want to know how to find them, how to book them, then you definitely need to join us for one of our upcoming free online trainings. You can go to freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, freespeakerworkshop, all put together there. Freespeakerworkshop.com. Register for the next one, and uh, we would love to have you join us. We also do a lot of live Q&A during those so we can answer your questions and help you have a plan, help you to know some of your next steps for uh, growing your speaking business, getting booked, and getting paid. All right, my friends, that wraps up episode 102. We'll see you next time. You're awesome.